Martha is unhappy because it looks like Jesus is just sitting and her sister is there just at Jesus' feet doing nothing to help. And so she tells Jesus, why isn't she helping me? And Jesus honors Mary and says she has chosen what is better. The prompt would be, imagine that Jesus is coming to town and coming to your home and he's coming to teach. Where are you in the scene? What activity are you doing currently? Are you Mary or Martha? Are you happy with the current activity that you're doing? What would you prefer to be doing if not? What do you want Jesus to know? What does he want you to know? You're listening to God Hears Her, a podcast for women where we explore the stunning truth that God hears you, he sees you, and he loves you because you are his. Find out how these realities free you today on God Hears Her. Welcome to God Hears Her. I'm Elisa Morgan. And I'm Erin Eddy Atkins. In our conversations, we've mentioned specific women of the Bible, but today we want a conversation about all of the women in the Bible and how God sees them. Today's guest, Anna Haggard, is a writer and an Our Daily Bread editor who's compiled The Known devotional, an Our Daily Bread devo about women in the Bible, even some that typically go unnoticed. Let's jump into this conversation by first getting to know a little bit about Anna on this episode of God Hears Her. I grew up in an Air Force family, uh, so it kind of was all over. It's also a medical family, so my father's a physician, my mother's a nurse, and this goes back several generations, though, so I have two grandfathers that were both doctors and two grandmothers that were both nurses, and I became an editor. So um, (laughs) I love that. So you just kind of decided to change the the generation? Yeah, surgery on words. (laughs) I love it. And our manuscripts bleed with ink. (laughs) Red ink. Oh, gosh. You work with spines? (laughs) Yes. Oh, this is good. Okay. How else can we go down this road? Okay, sorry. (laughs) We interrupted you. I know you'd moved a lot. So Mm -hmm. where would you say home was for you the most? Ooh, yeah. So I guess Pennsylvania. Once we got out of the Air Force, uh, we were overseas. My family, I have um, two younger sisters, and we were in England, and we have friends from all over the world because of that. Mm. I loved it. But central Pennsylvania is kind of what I'd consider home. That's beautiful. Yep. How did yeah. you get interested in words? From the start, I think God puts desires in us and passions from the beginning. And I think my parents knew, and I really appreciated too, because we have this legacy of medicine in our family, but they never pushed me towards that piece. They knew I was passionate. So like, I remember there was an open call at this local library said, we'll publish your book. There was a contest. So we entered into this contest. I typed a 40-page treatise on the Irish potato famine. And I was in fourth grade at the time. And the people were like, okay, so you like writing. So Mm. kind of from the beginning, just Mm. really loved that. And then I really liked the Bible too. So I, in college, got to go to last minute my study abroad plans fell through and I had a biblical studies major friend who was like, you should come with me to Israel. So I got to be on Mount Zion in Jerusalem for a whole semester, just oh studying gosh. the historical geography of the Bible, mm-hmm. um, walking in Jesus' footsteps. You know, that's such a beautiful classroom. Just the, mm-hmm. the word came alive. Mm-hmm. I think I had such a good foundation of just loving words, but also loving the word. Mm-hmm. So God just rearranged that, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you came back from that, and where where did you end up next? Yes, so I ended up in Lancaster again, mm-hmm. and uh, got a 
internship with a Christ-centered organization called Hope International, and they oh. invest in the dreams of those in poverty. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I yeah, landed this internship with the CEO who was starting to write books at the time. And I think the Lord just knew this is kind of like, I think there's this misconception in the church that if you hate something, God wants you to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's truly like he often puts the desires on our hearts and yeah. they grow the mm-hmm. more we spend time with him and confirm that mm-hmm. to let yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of ways to interpret that. But I do really think a lot of times the Lord is the one who's planting those in us mm-hmm. and he kind of grows that. So and he gives you the opportunity. So I think this during this time when it was really hard to get a job, this kind of opened up. At the same time, though, it was hard. Mm-hmm. I was just out of school and... Until that point, I had been a big fish in a small pond and had always kind of put my identity on excelling in sports and especially in academics. And right then I was with these people who were very driven, very ambitious. Uh, My boss went to Harvard and it was just like suddenly I was a very small fish and I was new. I was learning. I was being thrown into the deep end. So it was just a really interesting time where I feel like the Lord kind of stripped away a lot of Mm -hmm. what had been what I considered my identity. You talk about worthiness. I think I felt very unworthy to be in a place like that. That is so common, yet you feel very alone. Yes. Yes. How did that translate in moving forward? Yeah. So... I was really drowning in it for mm-hmm. for the first that first year. And yeah. I remember coming home from a work one day and I, I like to run. So I went for a run and it was crazy. I feel like the Lord just flashed a verse across my spirit and it was, uh, my grace is sufficient for you mm-hmm. for my power is made perfect in weakness. Yeah. And it was just this, I know God just planted that on my heart and I just kind of was just like floored. I just stopped. And it was kind of the start of recognizing that my journey is not based on my strengths, but on my depending on his strength. Mm-hmm. And being weak is a place where his power resides. Yeah. And so that just kind of opened up that journey mm-hmm. towards yeah. relying on him because I had relied, I was very independent, yeah. very relied very much on myself and just learning that he collaborates with us when we're in a weak place. Did people begin to play a role? Were you able, mm-hmm. did God lead you to reveal your weakness, mm-hmm. inadequacy to others? Was that part of your journey or, or yeah. maybe not? I had to start getting honest with people, mm-hmm. um, whether that was at my work and just saying, I, I feel like this is a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because yeah. I, I really liked having it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a firstborn, mm-hmm. it, you know, we like getting the grade. Bring us forward into, you know, how you began to leave that spot mm-hmm. and uh, begin to integrate towards words, the yes. word, yes. and women. Kind of towards the end of that time frame. So got thrown in the deep end, but it was very cool to see how the Lord kind of worked with me uh, throughout that time. And we put out a few different books like Mission Drift and oh, yeah. The Spiritual Danger of Doing Good. And these books ended up really mm-hmm. helping organizations stay on mission mm-hmm. and stay proclaiming Christ if they were intended to. So I just kind of started seeing how God was faithful in that, even in a tough spot. Around that time, I felt called to kind of just go deeper. I felt like my early 20s was very much about stripping down. And later, late 20s was kind of like, I want you to be more intimate with me, mm-hmm. to be more vulnerable. And uh, I could kind of be at that place. So I left that organization and decided to go to a spiritual formation program mm-hmm. and do that for two years, spiritual direction, spiritual formation. Ooh. And uh, meanwhile, was writing on books on women of the Bible as well. Okay. So, yeah. So what sparked the inspiration to write about women of the Bible? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about you guys, if you grew up in church or you didn't. I did. Mm-hmm. And my friend and I who worked at Hope, 
we, she had a young daughter and I kind of was involved in Sunday school and helped kids, a lot of love kids. And we just realized that the first stories that kids are hearing from the time when we were kids to the kids that we were teaching and her daughter uh, were David and Goliath, Peter, maybe Jonah Paul. And the whale. Jonah and the whale. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All the men. <laughs> All the men. And great men. Yeah. But no women. Sure. And I think, especially for young kids, that first stories that they hear really oh, shape sure. who mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. So we really wanted to get women models mm. from the Bible who were faith-filled and leaders to be part of their narrative, too. So that kind of started that. And so that just kind of got my interest. And since then, I've, I just love researching about women of the Bible, too. Mm. So that kind of led me into the current project. As well. How did you end up here at Our Daily Bread Publishing? That's the mom-dad ministry of God Hears Her, in case somebody doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had been on the outside of publishing, working with authors or being an author myself. So okay. I kind of wanted to be on the inside of publishing and kind of see what editing looked like from the inside. And this position just fit. I work as an associate content editor, so mm-hmm. I do kind of a hybrid of content creation yeah. and editing manuscripts as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, this book, this Women in the Bible book, is a kind of a, a little bit of both mm-hmm. with that. And it's called Known by God. Known by God. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, maybe go through three to five women yeah. that have surprised you or ministered mm. to you. Yeah. I want to know who your favorite is. The favorite? Okay, okay but you then gotta I want to know who su- <laughs> And maybe the one who surprised you was your favorite. Yep. But if not, I want to know who your favorite is and then who surprised you that you're like, oh, I didn't know. Because I yep. have some questions about one and specifically that I oh, don't good. know a lot about that good. I'm mulling over my head, but good. I would love to hear from yeah. you. Well, I want to ask you guys that question, oh, okay. too. Ah, okay. uh, well, who's your favorite? And then I'll, I'll answer, too. I have questions about one. Okay. It's Abigail. Mm-hmm. Ah, yep. I'm so fascinated by her because the Lord strikes her husband down. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, and then he's like, she's a woman of integrity, yep. and he entrusts her. And then she gets, does she get married to David? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So I'm so curious about just that whole, I can't even, I mean, could you imagine that that happened now? Yeah. Like, what, we'd be all like, what has happening? Yeah. Somebody got hit by lightning. So I would love for you to share, what have you learned? Tell me about Abigail, because that's all yeah. I've read. I've not studied much of her, mm-hmm. but I'm so intrigued with the story yeah. and the messiness of the story. I will share, but Elise, is there anything, because you've written the devotion that's being featured. <laughs> Which is hilarious. I did not know that um, when I brought her up. It tickles me. Yes. <laughs> it tickles me. Yeah, and I've done a Discover the Word series on Abigail and a, mm-hmm. a couple of video yeah. things on her, but I want to hear what you do with it too, Anna. So Abigail is married to a guy named Nabal, and he is a fool. He is a lout. I mean, his name kind of means fool, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Anna, yeah. And she knows it, but she's stuck with him. You know, mm-hmm. patriarchal culture like we're talking yep. about. Well, it happens to be sheep sharing time. And David's men help shear Nabal's sheep. And Nabal's not about giving the customary tip. Mm-hmm. And he has this big party and he gets drunk and Abigail is just really aware that he's refused and David is getting really mm-hmm. mad and David's king. And she is nervous that Nabal's going to kill David mm-hmm. or David's going to kill Nabal and either one of those is not going to work out well. Yeah. So she basically puts together a peace offering and takes it herself and yep. meets David. And you know what she does, Aaron? It, she pulls him up to a higher level. She mm-hmm. reminds him of who he is as king yeah. and she appeals to his integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's blessed by it and changes his mind. And <laughs> that night when Nabal's drunk, he falls over dead. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
And Nabel is gone out of the picture, and David marries Abigail. So, woof. Yeah. What do you do with that story? But <laughs> she is super strong. Yeah. yeah. What you said. Yeah. Yeah. The the devotion is called Hard Conversations, and so we kind of get into what does it look like for you to have a hard conversation? Um, Can you I imagine? Why I like her so much? I know <laughs> exactly. I mean, oh, Aaron, who likes direct <laughs> communication. I mean, Abigail's that. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. you know, she's really a role model. She is. Actually, you're like Abigail. Like Whoa. I could. Oh yes. gosh. Because <laughs> I think she's very uh, passionate and mm. she's a diplomat mm-hmm. and just very good at speaking, oh. but can see all sides. And I think it seems like in your ministry you do that a lot. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. I take that to heart. Thank yeah. you for saying yeah. that. Well, I didn't bring her up saying she was my favorite because I thought I was like yeah. her. <laughs> but I do love how the Lord protected her throughout all of that. And she Mm -hmm. followed through in what she was entrusted to do and be a woman of integrity in the process. I love it. What about you, Well, I have a million favorites, but one that comes to mind is Mary of Bethany. And I wrote a book on her called She Did What She Could. And I just love Mm -hmm. that she got who Jesus was. Mm -hmm. I mean, she understood his pathway to the cross really before the rest of the disciples did. And she acted and she anointed him before his burial, before he even went into the triumphal entry. And I just think it's amazing story. So, but okay, now back to you. (laughs) Well, Mary is my favorite. Mary Bethany? Mary Bethany. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. And partly because she recognized who Christ was and his path. Mm -hmm. And I think too, we sometimes typecast. So Mary and Martha, Mm -hmm. Martha's the feisty one and Mary's the the quiet one. But when you look at her story a little bit more, what kind of surprised me as I was learning is that she was very countercultural in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. She's like Yentl. Yes, (laughs) she was. She sat at the rabbi's feet. Exactly. In a position women were not not welcomed into it at all in that day, in that culture. Exactly. And Paul even says, he uses the exact same phrase, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel, who is the rabbi, leading rabbi of the day. So when she's positioning herself like that. It's she, a student learner it's a student posture. Learner. Yeah. Exactly. She yeah. is a disciple. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Who else hits you? Who surprised you? I mean, I think my heart goes out to Hagar. Mm-hmm. She's our yes. opening one. Partly just because she's such an outsider. Here she is enslaved, mistreated. She's on the run. She's pregnant. Yeah, would you yeah. just give the backstory and maybe just walk us through her story? I mean, because yeah. it really is the backstory yes. of God hears her. Mm. <laughs> but you want to unpack that for us? Yeah. So she is an Egyptian woman who is enslaved by the patriarch Abram and Sarai. And so she, in the process of time when they can't conceive, she is given to Abraham mm-hmm. to have his their child mm-hmm. to be the heir. So here she is at that time she is pregnant with his child and his wife becomes very jealous mm-hmm. and Sarah abuses Hagar. So she takes off, runs away. And it's where we kind of come in the story in this book is where it says the angel of the Lord found her mm-hmm. in the desert. And so I just, this gets me every time. It's just mm-hmm. that the Lord was not only just bumping into her, he found her. He was seeking her out. Mm-hmm. He knew who she was. He knew what her shame was, her feelings, and he came and encountered her in that moment and her struggle. And she wasn't an Israelite. No. She was an Egyptian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She was a complete underdog or Mm -hmm. an outsider. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he ends up saying what to her? God does. (laughs) So he uh, gives her a blessing and a promise, a great promise about her son, Mm -hmm. who is she's going to name Ishmael, which means God hears. And she gets a blessing from him and 
they have this conversation, which in scripture, he's, I think the first, it's the first time God, the son, who they think it is, has a conversation with somebody in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And she's chosen for that. Mm-hmm. And not only that, she names God, you are the God who sees me. Cause she recognized that God knew her and saw mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Anna. Mm-hmm. You know, so God hears you. God mm-hmm. sees you. God loves you because you were yeah. his. That's part of the backstory here of our message. Yeah. So surprising. That was surprising to you or you just had tenderness towards her. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, it's just an amazing here. You were talking about her being a complete mm-hmm. outsider, mm-hmm. but she's the only, I think the first and the only person in the old Testament to name God. And so here she's given this mm-hmm. kind of honor too. Isn't that something? Pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is another woman? that comes to mind for you that you're like, when you get to have these conversations that you're excited to talk about? Yeah. Overlooked ones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's two women, Shipra and Pua. And there are these midwives who kind of stand up to the Pharaoh to Mm -hmm. protect uh, the Israelite slave babies. And it's kind of thinking about it. They defied like somebody like I guess today would be like defying Putin or somebody who was maniacal and evil because he was trying to commit infanticide against the Hebrew babies. Um, So just the Hebrews were too many in population. He wanted to cut them off. So he ordered all the babies to be killed. Right. Yeah. And so he ordered the midwives. Yes. To to do this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so continue. So what do they do? So they defied him. They yeah. didn't obey. It says that they feared God, and mm-hmm. so they listened to God, not to man. They didn't fear him. Yes. They feared God. Exactly. Oof, that's such yeah. a powerful lesson. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Wow. There are moments God might invite us to mm-hmm. not listen to man, not yes. fear man, but to fear him. And yeah. what did they do to as do a result? To do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Well, they actually kind of lied to Pharaoh, which yeah. it's an interesting part of the story mm-hmm. too. I don't know what I think about that. But the deception piece. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yep. God's like, oh, sweet girls. Well, yes. you're sinful, but you know, you, you've exactly. scared of me. So <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> it says that God blessed them because he was, he favored what they did. So mm-hmm. apparently he endorsed it. So yeah. he let the little, yeah. she, they let the little babies live mm-hmm. and they just, said, oh, you know what? Hebrew women are yeah. so strong. They just deliver so fast. We can't kill those babies. No. Yeah. <laughs> They're too vigorous. Yeah. They're too vigorous. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Strong. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. How about do you cover the women in Jesus genealogy? Yeah. That's fun. Mm-hmm. That's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. One of the cool things about this project was that it was such a collaborative project. We had so many women coming into this project and um, working on it. And one of the women, I just really felt from the beginning, kind of God nudged me, this is not about you. This is about you featuring the women that are in this project Mm -hmm. and kind of letting them shine. And just cool to see how that manifested itself. And one of the women who was writing for us, an Our Daily Bread writer, she was writing about Tamar, which is one of the oh. ones in the line of Christ. Yeah. And she was like, I, she was wrestling with this passage because it's such it's a, a tough yeah. passage. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she just sat with it for days and just prayed about it. Mm-hmm. And she said one day she just got, God like implanted this idea. So you have to read her Ooh, devotion because mm-hmm. it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, just talking about how God uses even dysfunction and, uh, you know, a tabloid kind of story yeah. and redeems that. Yeah. The Bible has a lot of X-rated mm-hmm. stuff in yes. it, you know, that, and yep. we get all uncomfortable yep. yeah. with that. We think, yep. oh, you know, that should be flushed to the side. Mm-hmm. But the reality is we live in a broken world that mm-hmm. has all kinds of roughness mm-hmm. in it. And that's where God came, you know, and he comes mm-hmm. to people in that messiness, yes. women, yeah. 
included. Yeah. How did the times of the Bible and studying them in terms of the culture, you know, mm-hmm. both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the Hebraic culture, the mm-hmm. Jewish culture yeah. compared to the maybe the Roman culture, you know, mm-hmm. how, how did they get featured in your understanding and the writer's understandings? Yeah. So we did a lot of word studies and insights, but it's kind of interesting. What surprised me was that it seemed like when you look at the patriarchs, the women in those stories are no wallflowers. They Mm -hmm. have strong opinions. Mm -hmm. They're very bold. And they had a lot of agency, sometimes a little bit more behind the scenes. But in some ways, the further you got into the New Testament, the rights of women were restricted more. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was almost less power for women during Jesus' time than really in the patriarch time. So Why did that happen, yeah, do, you why do you think? think that is? Yeah. You know, I'm not even sure. Mm-hmm. I think the society got more regulated, mm-hmm. and with Roman control, yeah. things, just life got, mm-hmm. I mean, when you're in a hurting society like the patriarchs were, there was not a lot of outside restrictions. You were kind of, the family it's was clan. Mm-hmm. It was clan based. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Roman culture, I guess, was pretty, I mean, slaves, children, yes. women, mm-hmm. nobody had exactly. any value. It was yes. like also patriarchal. Okay. Now you've been writing about women of the Bible for how many years? Probably about five years now. Okay. So yeah. five years. And in creating this devotional, was there something new that you discovered in yourself? that you were grateful for or that it was hard for you to receive maybe? Mm. You know, there's always layers of, I remember, so a few years ago, a spiritual mentor asked me, what are your images of God Mm. when you pray? And so I kind of went in prayer and realized that as much as my head, I saw God as a very loving and close, intimate God. He was far away in my prayer life. Mm -hmm. And I think there's always this vulnerability of coming, learning. I think through a lot of these stories, he's like, God often, especially in the New Testament, when we look at Christ, he's dealing with women who are kind of outsiders and he commends them for their faith. Mm -hmm. And it's a very personal thing. He even says daughter. Mm -hmm. And I think when it comes to that, I I sometimes, a lot Mm -hmm. of the, what we did in these devotions was we did imaginative prayer prompts mm. where we invited the women to come in and put themselves in the scene, kind of like what I did within Israel, just kind of allowing women to experience what it'd be like to be a woman and to connect with God in mm. those situations. Beautiful. Yeah. That's and I, beautiful. and it's very vulnerable. So I did that in my spiritual formation program, but just knowing the tenderness of God is mm. something that hits me again and again. And sometimes it's scary to me, mm-hmm. to be honest, and I want to push it away. I agree. And I think just because it's so other than what we know here on earth with the conditional love. And so I think just being in God's presence while doing this and just recognizing again, God's nearness, it just always floors me. So That is so raw. Thank yeah. you yeah, for thank you sharing, sharing that. that. What are some words that you want to speak over the women right now listening mm-hmm. that feel overlooked, mm-hmm. uh, maybe feel unknown, hidden, yeah. feel like they need to perform or be or mm-hmm. do? in order to be seen and loved. You are seen. God is with you. God is on your side. God is for you. A hundred percent. God hears your pain and knows it. And it's experiencing it with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to ask you to read from the devotional here, but, yeah. but maybe mm-hmm. if you can think of a devotion that you think would minister to these women that you're speaking of, Erin, mm-hmm. maybe describe it. And then I'm really intrigued by these biblical imagination mm-hmm. prompts that you're mm-hmm. talking about, about putting ourselves in the scene. Could you talk straight to the woman with this devotional and then with that prompt? Yeah. And we'll try and go along with you too. Maybe just starting with something like Mary and Martha. The story is Jesus is coming to town mm-hmm. and 
coming to the house of Mary and Martha. And Martha is unhappy because it looks like Jesus is just sitting and her sister is there just at Jesus' feet doing nothing to help. And so she tells Jesus, why isn't she helping me? And Jesus honors Mary and says she has chosen what is better. The prompt would be, imagine that Jesus is coming to town and coming to your home and he's coming to teach. Where are you in the scene? What activity are you doing currently? Mm. Are you Mary or Martha? Are you happy with the current activity that you're doing? Mm. What would you prefer to be doing if not? Mm. What do you want Jesus to know? What does he want you to know? Oh, that makes mm-hmm. it so alive, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It really does. If a listener wants to start studying the women, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they've never really read many of the women mm-hmm. of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Is there one you would suggest they start with? Either start from the beginning with Hagar. The one that I really love is the woman with the issue with the blood. And mm. she is a woman who has been suffering for 12 years, and she sees Jesus in a crowd. And um, she moves through the crowd and grabs his cloak and receives healing from him. And that is actually a really powerful one to do in imaginary prayer. But just the power of Jesus' words to her, it's just really comforting because God commends her and heals her. So if you're looking for healing uh, emotionally or spiritually, and I know healing can take years sometimes or it can be instantaneous, but just opening yourself up to Christ's tenderness, his healing, that is just a beautiful story to kind of start with. What is your prayer for this book as it's put into hands of women? I want them to be able to encounter the God who encountered the women of the Bible and in a way that they know that he sees them and that he's for them and on their side. We're so excited for everyone to get their hands on this Devo. To check out the Known Devotional and learn more about Anna, check out our website at godhearsher.org. That's godhearsher.org. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget, God hears you. He sees you. And he loves you because you are his. Today's episode was engineered by Ann Stevens and produced by Jade Gussman and Mary Jo Clark. We also want to thank Barry and Kevin for all their help and support. Thanks, everyone. God Hears Her is a production of Our Daily Bread Ministries.